Hello and welcome to the Naval Air Podcast. My name is Mike and I'm your host. And hosting with me today as for the past few weeks is my friend Scott. Say hello, Scott. Are you there? Hi, everybody. How was, uh, how's everybody doing out there? Good to be back with you again, Mike. So, uh, yes, it's good to be back. We've, we've uh, skipped a week. My fault. Sorry. Um, so we're going to pick up the threads. We Oh, we referred to the last episode we recorded. We actually uh, handled some listener mail, had some questions that came in an email, so we took care of that. So we're, now we're back to the regularly scheduled program. And uh, now it's time for Scott to tell us about his or give us details. He's already kind of teased us with his first official, I'm air quoting, official deployment out of HSL 37. Um, and we talked about his workups a bit, I think. You know, we're going to get the, uh, I guess, the rundown from top to bottom. And we'll try not to laugh at the at the misery that he's about to, about to relate to us. Yeah, it was definitely a... Uh... A non-traditional uh, deployment because typically, you know, you do workups. You know, you form your, your debt, do workups from anywhere to, you know, maybe three months at the minimum to up to up to six months, and then you do your six-month deployment and uh, turn everything in, and you go back to being a home guard AW. So in my case, that was pretty much what uh, it looked like, like. That was what I was going to be doing. And we, as we mentioned the previous. Uh, podcast and uh, I had done a six week uh, short cruise had a little break in between I think during that break we had to do what was known as a CWTPI and I don't think this is anything that Mike has even talked about yet in his previous iterations of this but a CWTPI if I remember correctly is a conventional weapons uh, test procedures inspection CWTP, yeah. Well, in in English, that means that uh, every lamps detachment that goes aboard ship has to have a fully qualified and certified Mark 46 torpedo load team. So that's you have a team leader, and then you have some team members, and then there's also a QA, and that's typically one of the junior pilots. And it's a major, uh, what we used to call in the Navy as a little bit of slang word, called major sweat X <laughs> for the OIC yep. and, uh, of the detachment because you absolutely positively will not go past go and deploy unless you pass this thing. And they bring in representatives from ComNav Pack, Like I was in Hawaii. They come all the way from San Diego to observe you do this load. And it, it seems like... Um, something that would be pretty simple and, and and really it is but you do have to do things correctly and they uh you know you have to follow a checklist and and you really have to be very um precise in how you do everything so in order to do that you have to do a lot of practice loads and this is where that first bit of misery came in that i remember from this detachment because you know, we're flying, and then, of course, you're doing routine maintenance on the helicopter and this and that. You kind of like to have a little bit of time off, and there you are at, like, 1530, 1600. The rest of the debt leaves, and then you're there doing, like, two loads, 
minutes before you can go home. And you think, oh, that takes 15, 20 minutes. Well, probably upwards of about an hour, really. No, nah, because it's a big fat checklist. I remember doing it's this. It's a lot of stuff. How, how many? It's a lot of stuff. How, okay, so were all the air crewmen in your uh, deployment part of the low team? Yes. Yeah, same here. All three of us are on the low team. Which is logical, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> we're the ones that actually know about And I actually <laughs> went to a school. I, I don't think I mentioned this. Uh, I might have mentioned this, but one of the schools they sent to me sent me to was the LAMPS Aviation Ordnance School, which was located at Fort Island, which is, for all of you World War II buffs, you know, that's that island in the middle of Pearl Harbor where all the, the mooring keys, where all the battleships were moored during December 7th. So that's also... Uh, where ComNav uh, or Com Subpacks headquarters is located, a bunch of stuff back then. So, actually, this school was actually run by the submarine guys, believe it or not, because they know a lot about torpedoes. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that makes, logical, some, that makes some sense. Yeah. So our instructor was a torpedo man's uh, mate, chief, of which, as I understand it, doesn't even exist anymore. That rate in the navy. And he was a submariner, really nice guy. So I think we spent, it was a five-day school and uh, had to stay in the barracks on the sub base, which wasn't bad because they had an outstanding chow hall. Uh, I, I knew you could say something about the food. <laughs> yeah. So no complaints about that. And they also had really nice barracks, too. I mean, they take care of the submariners, right? So it was actually kind of like somewhat of a vacation, really. And um, so we, you know, did some, uh, I want to keep saying ground school, like I'm back in my airline world, but we had some classroom instruction about all the different types of ordnance that the helicopter carries. And the practical part the, the was actually um, banding a torpedo and, um, and then putting it on the shackle and then downloading it and then he showed notice what happens when uh, one of these bands lets loose so it was a really a real eye-opener and and also kind of get your attention white as mike would also echo you don't stand in front of the bands on the torpedo because <laughs> it will kill you um anyhow a little tangent but uh an important tangent so yeah we're doing all this stuff we finally passed that thing Ma major hurdle for deployment I think the other thing we had to do that I was in charge of was I had to give the pilots their RECO exam. Wait, as um, a tor as a torpedo loading team leader? No, no, as part it's totally separate. Oh, you know the air pack uh, or com ASW wing pack. Prior to deployment, you had to take a, a recognition yes. test. Yes, we all took and it together. In, yeah, so my OIC put me in charge of making sure that they could pass the test because I knew that stuff oh, okay. backwards and forwards. In fact, I used to teach the officers in the wardroom uh, both before this deployment and after. The, fu the funny thing with the RECO test, I, it's it's been mentioned before, is that there's only so many pictures of certain classes of ships and airplanes, you know, and submarines. Right. So sometimes you know what the ship is only because you recognize the picture because it's the one yeah. picture they have of the you know, SU-27 or whatever. It's the one picture. Okay, well, I know what that is because I know I recognize the photo. So, yeah. Just... So we did that. And um, so now it's time to deploy. 
and um, we had to go down. To, I think I might have mentioned this the last time. We had to actually go down to the ship the night before. Yeah, you did mention that, which I thought was ridiculous. Yeah. And then we had to do a bunch of stuff, like putting all this stuff away, and they were all hot and sweaty, and then we had to put our whites on and man the rail because I didn't fly on, obviously. Nah, neither did yeah, I. Junior guy. Hey, uh, quick, so, quick, quick tangent yeah. before uh, uh, Torpedo Man's mate was disestablished on submarines in 95 and on surface ships in 2007 and then reestablished on 30 September 2019. Oh, no they're, kidding. They're bringing them back. So on the, That's on, cool. On the surface ships, they were merged with the gunner's mates. And on the submarines, you'll never guess what rating they were merged into. Machinist mate. Yeah, you did know, so you knew then. Yeah, I knew that. They're becoming, I'd forgotten, but I, that reminded me. Yeah, They've become machinist mate weapons. But yeah, now their TMs are coming back. Sorry. So I believe I, I mentioned that this cruise was scheduled to be six months long. Well, that Standard, was one of the yeah. other bonuses that we found out while we're waiting to go. Because everybody's kind of excite, excited, you know, like the ship schedule. You know, we're going to go, you know, it's uh, PI, and then we're going to go to, um, I want to say we're going to go to Singapore, then Pattaya Beach, and then Hong Kong and Yakuska. That sounds like a and, fun trip, dude. Holy yeah, smokes. yeah. I mean, it was not supposed to be any I.O. time, and then we we're going to be independent steaming for the uh, for the second half of the cruise. And we we're going to go who knows where, like, you know, like guys are talking about that had done that. They went to, like, Tahiti and Bali and all these places, and I'm like, this is going to be good, right? So, I don't know, maybe a month or so before, you know, our OSC gets us together and he says, well, this is kind of one of these good news, bad news things. <laughs> well, the good news is we're only going to be gone for two and a half months. The bad news is we're only going to Yakuska and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all like, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, what, for whatever reason, we were superfluous to the, um, I think it was the uh, Enterprise Battle Group was where we were going with. All we were going to do was go over into the Japan area to, to participate in Fleet X-84, do a port call in, in Japan for like a, like, I think it was like eight days for the ship to get some work done there because that's a, you know, major shipyard for the U.S. Navy overseas. In fact, it's really the only major shipyard we have overseas. What, Yokosuka? Yeah, well, Sasebo, too. But Yokosuka, uh, we're going to be there for like eight days and then we're going to come back. Well, I mean, I was excited to be going to Japan, but then I was like, we're not going to any of these other places. And we were going to, you know, we we're going to do the shell back thing, all this stuff. Right. And uh, none of that's going to happen now. So, you know, we headed out. You know, it's kind of we're doing our normal thing, as Mike talked about, <laughs> usually flew four sorties a day. Nothing really different from the routine, except for the fact that my debt uh, wasn't that well organized from the, the way we're load shedding stuff. In other words. It didn't matter whether you were flying in the first thing in the morning. You worked. Everybody worked until that helo was put away, which was a lot of work. You know, you had to uh, do a daily and turnaround. You had to grease and wipe the head. You had to clean the whole aircraft with uh, corrosion preventative compound. And okay, but that sounds just like Quite my a, deployment so far. Yeah, kind of. A, and really, I mean, of course, I was young, so I could, you know, I could withstand it. You know, but 
uh, lucky to get six hours of sleep a night. And on top of that, I was also a coop cleaner. So I was also cleaning the birthing compartment, you know, uh, being one of the junior guys on the debt. So kind of a lot of stuff going on. And uh, we're partway through this. And then uh, we find out, uh, oh, there's two typhoons between uh, this point and this point where we're going. So we're going to try to go south of them and squeeze between them. And, uh, well, we got into some, uh, some gnarly, uh, gnarly weather with that, but that was pretty interesting. And this is on a Knox class frigate, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we cracked the sonar dome. So now the ship has to pull into Guam. Oh, cool. We're going to go somewhere else. So we spent like, like, uh, I don't know, four or five days in Guam while they, I think they poured concrete down into the... What? You know, yeah, to f fill in the cracks or whatever, yeah. That... And we did the remainder of that deployment without a hull-mounted sonar, an operable hull-mounted sonar, because if you've ever seen these destroyers, this hull-mounted sonar is a, is a cylindrical array, and it's it's on a big bubble, basically, in the, the bow of the ship. And um, they had to do something temporary... Or they were going to have to put us in dry dock. But concrete? Wouldn't that mess up the... You know? uh, I think it was more like they are worried about the ship sinking. <laughs> it was kind of like one of these things like, what can you, what can we do to keep the ship at sea without having to... Um, How much would that weigh, though? Wouldn't, wouldn't that also affect performance? That just sounds so crazy. Oh, I'm, sure, I'm sure it did, but um, they, they had to do some kind of temporary repair. I know the... The hull-mounted sonar was out for the remainder of this this trip, and they said the ship's definitely going to have to be dry docked. And they were talking about, you know, we're we're going to go back, and we're like, oh, we're going to go back, back right? to the, or, back or to we're going to go straight, to, yeah, back to Pearl, or we're going to go straight to Yakuska, and they're going to going to dry dock it there, and it might take a month, and we're blah blah blah, and we're like, oh well, then we'll just fly off in shore base in Natsugi, and that's what the our our OIC was saying, and like, oh, that's not such a bad thing. Well, whatever they did, we're out of there in about four or five days. Out of Guam. So, yeah. So as an AW, you know, you're you're kind of useless in a lot of, when you're when you're relatively new with maintenance. So, um, I was mostly doing busting rust. You know, I had an acid brush or yeah. one, uh, some some of that Brillo pad stuff, and but uh, for there was, some reason, there was the two. Chief said there's two compounds we'd put on. One was thick and gooey, and one was like thin, like fingernail polish. That was a type four fluid. What was the other one called? The, the, uh, type two, I think. Type the, four was the real goopy stuff, like a preservative. Yeah, that that was that was sticky. So like, yep. so like it would protect the, you know, like nuts and bolts and things. Yeah, it would protect the fastener, but made them gooey and hard to take apart. Yep. All so right. for some reason, my debt chief said, you're going to get qualified for doing patch testing for the hydraulics. Don't ask me why. So I did the PQS to become qualified to do patch tests while we're there. <laughs> okay. And, and I was like, okay. And this is taking place where? Yokosuka Or on Guam? No, on Guam. Okay. Yeah, we got chased into Guam by that, uh, by that typhoon. Um. And we also had to do something 
with a speed decreaser. Like um, it was either high time or, you know, it was there was something that they needed to do, and they had to change it. So we changed a speed decreaser. Oh no, no, wait, no, we didn't change a speed decreaser. We changed it. That's that's I got that wrong. That comes later. We changed an ACE amp, automatic stabilization equipment amplifier. We had to change that out, and that became an issue later on, which I'll get into. But so then I also decided that uh, we need to paint USS Knox FF1052, or I mean uh, Badger, USS Badger FF1071 on our drop tanks. Whose, deci so, whose decision was that? That was mine. And I went to our, our LPO and I said, um, I know nothing about uh, shooting paint or anything. And he goes, well, I'm going to give you the... And he showed me how to mix the paint I'd do everything and I did it and it turned out really good in fact our our our, our OIC and our maintenance officers like isn't he an AW <laughs> you know like or whatever yeah so I I, uh, I did that and uh, we went on Liberty there in Guam uh, nothing really remarkable there nobody got in any trouble and the metalsmiths had no problem with you painting their drop tanks no because the the, the uh LPO was an AMS one, so he, he showed me how to do it. He taught me because he actually was an instructor on that when he was on shore duty on on uh, paint and final finishing. I'm just I'm just surprised that they're you know we're okay with it. It's not rocket science. Yeah, but still, you know, it's more it's more work, right? Yeah, that's what that's why it's surprised. You know, anything that's more work. People tend to like it, especially LPO types. And I did like, it. Nah, we don't. And I did it. it the most basic way, like block letters. You know, like that's. He says this is the most basic way to do it. You know, because some people get really fancy and they put it, you know, in different ways and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think I might have told you we're out with the uh, the Joseph Strauss, which was uh, Adams class DDG. We're we're with them because we got detached from the the battle group. To, for this storm evasion shit and um, they were with us there in uh, Guam also that was about the only incident I think that we got into is uh, we had a BM3 that uh, that uh, was notor a notorious fighter he was this kid had had velcro on his crow <laughs> but he was really good bosun's man so he'd go to mass get busted get it back get it busted get it back but he was all about the ship though he really was um Interesting. Yeah, and I think uh, I think he got in a fight and he beat the tar out of some guy from that ship or something, if as I remember correctly. Because I think I saw him on the mess deck and he was minus his stripe again, or he had like void on it or something like that. Void. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you've seen guys like that, right? With a, they have it X'd out and it has it yeah, says void. Yeah, on their on the ones that are ironed on their dungarees. Yeah. Yeah, crossed out. Yeah. Yeah. So anyhow, we. Uh, so we pulled out, and uh, we're going flying. I, I think we're a day out of, of Guam. Maybe we had just literally pulled out, and we're gonna we're gonna fly to do a uh, FCF on this. Um, All right, now ASAM isn't where the ship pulls in and where the airfield aren't they at the opposite ends of the island? Well, we were in what we we're we we're in the uh, pier right by the sub base where building building twelve was. Okay, which so, is what they call this the USS Proteus, which was 
AS-12, and they, they laughed and they call it Building 12 because it never gets underway except once a year. But that was like on the... Abra Harbor. That's like the south side of the of Guam, right? Or uh, yeah. west, west yeah. southwest. Kinda, yeah. And yep. Anderson's at the north. Extreme north end of the island, yeah. So, so we never got near there. We never really went. Um, I don't even think I went off the base really on Liberty. So where was the hell? Were you, you were taking off and landing on the ship in port? No, this is like right after we pulled out. Okay, so you never you didn't fly in port. No, no. Okay, no, we didn't fly at all. Okay. In fact, I think we pulled in there. The aircraft was down for this ASAMP. It went down like a day or two before. So it was kind of fortuitous that, uh, you know, we had to pull in there. Okay. So we pulled out and uh, we had to do a functional check flight because uh, we had to put this ASAMP in there. And they, I think it required a functional check flight. Yeah. You'd think. Of some. Sure. Of, uh, you know, a certain profile they had to do for putting that in there. So, you know, of course, once that was completed. Uh, we're going to burn the bag out and we're going to just flying around. So we're flying around. All of a sudden we get a uh, speed decreaser. Uh, a chip light comes on. Oh, crap. Speed, right? speed decreaser. Yeah. Because remember you have the engine and then you have the speed decreaser and that's where you had the big sight gauge on the side of the uh, Okay. Yes. The yes. Yes. And then yes. it goes into behind, the combining gearbox. Behind the, behind the exhaust, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the speed decreaser increaser uh gearbox uh oil reservoir there okay yeah so this speed decreaser and it, and we were like the, i was looking up where i could see and the oil pressure was like bouncing all over the place so the pilots are like crap i guess this thing's really messed up so we're gonna have to shut the engine down oh okay wait, wait you're gonna fly single engine yeah and you know remember <laughs> with an h2 can't with a full... an h2 cannot hover <laughs> out of ground effect depending on how what the density altitude is, right? With a full bag of gas? Yeah, with a full bag of gas, right? <laughs> Holy shit. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and but one of the pilots had been a Huey pilot before, like a station SAR. He was a newly minted hack. It was uh, Lieutenant Lester McCoy. Call him, we, we call him, um, we call him Cool, uh, cool, cool McCoy was his call sign, right? Okay. And because he was cool, man, I don't think I ever heard that dude go hardly above like 15 decibels when he talked because he was like very low, soft-spoken guy. But really, really cool guy too, Naval Academy graduate. And uh, but he was cool because his dad was the retired Air Force Chief Master Sergeant. So he goes, uh, he says, uh, "Yeah, it looks like we're gonna have to make a no hover landing on the boat." <laughs> That's exactly what he said. And I'm like, oh, okay. Good thing, and, um, good thing we practiced that, huh? Yeah, exactly. So, they, you know, they, they call the ship, declare an emergency and all that. And explain to them, like, you need to get this thing going as fast as you can go, which on a Knox-class frigate, if you're lucky, was about 26, 27 knots. And uh, we're going to be making a no-hover landing. And that's what we did. Just came in, and there we are. Like, no problem, right? Shut down and all this. The problem was, Mike, guess what we did not have in the pack out? A replacement. And remember, we're, det we're detached you know, from the battle group. Yeah, so no speed decreaser. No speed, no, no speed decreaser. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we literally had to ride that frigging boat 
around for like another, I don't want to say like another three weeks what? with no flying at all. What? Oh my yep. God. Your airplane must have been super clean. Come on. That's all we did. Must have been super clean. Was, every was gauge was. dusted, every exposed. Uh, and our chief. And our chief was micromanaging every single second that us AWs were doing because he did not like a. I got a, a, a sense he didn't like AWs very much. Not many. Pe- not many people did. He did not. <laughs> he did not want us doing any training. And our OIC, he was like, not really, you know, getting in the way of how he was doing anything. So yeah, we were either we were busting rust or doing all kinds of other crazy busy busy work, and and then uh, then we pulled into Yakuska, and we got our uh, you know the aircraft up and running again. But so did you then have we to, went out. Did you have to crane it off then? No, you fix it on the boat. Japan, you fix it yeah, on the so boat. They, um, yeah, we just put it. Yeah, they they uh, we did the we did the funky check there in port. With a ship pier side, which was interesting. They bring the base fire truck down there to the pier, and they're sitting there, and we're hovering. We, you know, do a 50 minute hover check, shut down, leak check. Then we went and flew around, which was interesting because none of these, neither of these guys had ever flown around in Japan before. So, of course, I hadn't either. And we went up to Atsugi and uh, managed to not get lost going up there and uh, flew around a little bit up there and, um, we wound up shutting down there because right. the ship was going to be in port for like eight days. So you flew to Atsugi. Yeah, yeah, and then we then okay. we shore base there. Okay, hang on a second. Let me because I gotta I gotta get the geography straight in my head. So Yokosuka is right next to Tokyo, right? Yeah, uh, Yokosuka is probably about as a crow flies, like I don't know, fifteen twenty mi- um, miles south of. Of um, but it's it's in Tokyo right there on it, the Tokyo at the end of the south end of the Tokyo Bay. Yeah, yeah. So it's Tokyo Bay. Now Atsugi's inland, right? Yeah, but not very far. It's like twenty miles the other direction. So Tokyo's straight north. Atsugi is like ten miles, maybe twelve, as the crow flies, if even that. North of Tokyo. Uh, maybe, uh, no, yeah, uh, it's south. Uh, Southwest of Tokyo, but almost due west of Yakuska, about maybe eight, okay. ten miles. Okay, okay. Really close. So we shore base there for uh, eight days. And uh, and it's a naval air station, or it's a Japanese place that you guys just kind of. No, it's it's a well, it's an NAF because it's actually run by the Japanese. Okay. But far and away, the U.S. was the largest tenant. You know, all of Carrier Air Wing Five was there. At that time, VQ1 had a debt there, so it's not very. Ti- um, it's not a tiny place. No, no, it's big. It's huge. There's like, I don't know, five or six at the time, maybe five or six thousand U.S. personnel and, and dependents there, because they had a shitload of uh, quarters there for the married folks. Okay. And uh, I think we only we didn't really fly a lot. I think we actually pulled a phase early while we were there if I remember correctly and then we did we flew like maybe twice okay but you, you can't know, a functional check you can't pull a you can't pull a phase too far forward 
Yeah, I mean, I forget what the rules on that was as far as resetting the clock on all that, you know, in accordance with the aircraft, you know, maintenance program. Uh-huh. I think we're close enough to be in the window before because I think we we're going to plan on they were going to do the phase there anyway. But, you know, we sat for three weeks without doing any flying. Well, your airplane should have been pretty, right? Yeah, it was, in, it was clean, you know. I mean, if, if I okay, so if you're a debt chief, right? Your airplane's hard down. You don't have the repair spare part. You know you can be riding the boat for at least a week. What are you going to have your crew do? Sleep. So, because erosion control, yeah. work off any work off any uh, upgrades. Any uh, uh, um, well, here's what our here's what uh, our uh, debt chief did though, and I think our uh, Mo got together. They had the pilots, all four of them, go through and write up every freaking thing they could find as far as, like, anything, bare metal, corrosion, anything. So they had, like, when they got done, they had, like, freaking 120 or some crazy amount of uh, vids maps written up for corrosion, bare metal, you know, cotter key needs, replay, whatever. It's just silly shit. I remember them doing that now. You know, it's funny. All right, so you talk about maths, right? I don't yeah. remember m- maths being generated, but they had to have been because we kept up yeah. the DB. We kept up the ADB. Hmm? Interesting how crazy that is. I know, yep. you know, I don't recollect working them, but I know they existed. Just stupid. Actually, Mike, I got very familiar with the, that whole process of writing up a vids map and um, I mean, I guess because I was willing to learn, and I and I really liked our, our uh, LPO. He's a AMS one Filipino guy. He was a really nice guy, and uh, and and he took a liking to 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 me, and and uh, and saw that I was willing to learn, and I was helpful, and and uh, when Not- when crap was going on, I kept my mouth shut. I didn't uh, I didn't you know stand there and bitch and moan a lot like some of the other guys did. I just kept my mouth shut. And because um, I knew it wasn't going to do any good, and it does bring everybody down when you got everybody complaining. It was bad enough as it was, right? Yeah. So, uh, so like he showed me the whole process of how you had to, to order a part and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, and that little blue book with the codes and all that in there. You know, I learned about all that stuff, which I've forgotten now, but I was pretty familiar with it then. I mean, I knew what I knew what to do. I knew how to. Um, I eventually learned how to uh, do a phase on the engines because on my second debt our LPO was an AD1 and he was I don't think I ever saw him lift a finger <laughs> <laughs> you know he had clean dungarees all the time yeah he was like like 19 years in you know he was retiring as soon as we got back yeah yeah so I, I became the de facto lead um, AD on that deployment. So anyhow, going back to this thing, you know, of course I had a great time in, in Japan going on Liberty and, and whatnot. Went to Tokyo a couple of times and had a really good time. And of course now we're basically going to do this Fleet X-84 thing and then we're going to turn around and go back. Now, the Fleet X-84 thing from an AW point of view was very interesting because 
Fleet X-84 was the first time there there had been three carriers in the Sea of Japan and since like World War II. So you have the USS Enterprise, the USS Midway, which is the far deployment, the USS Carl Vinson. Because the Vinson was was coming was ending their deployment, and the Midway or the uh, Enterprise was relieving the Vinson, and uh, you know they're both like out chopping, in chopping, and then the uh, which okay, well both those boats West Coast. Yep. Okay, so they they must have been home ported up north then, because both of them were home ported in Alameda. Okay. And the. Um, of course, the, uh, at the time, the Midway was home ported in Yakuska. Yeah, so, so we're all deployed. out there. Yeah. So this got a lot of uh, <clears throat> a lot of notice by the Russians. You know, if there's three carriers out there. You know, keeping in mind that what this was going on in this time in history. This is sort of the height of the Cold War here. The coming kind, of, kind of the the, uh, the the pinnacle of the Cold War. So we're getting overflown by bears and badgers. You know, Soviet naval aviation uh, patrol. Patrol aircraft, and I mean, I remember one time, the coolest one was, uh, I was uh, actually up on the tail rotor, greasing the tail rotor between sorties, and it was it was actually a nice day, it was pretty calm out, and if you remember what a, what a male is, it's a t- twin-engine turboprop amphibian in the Soviet naval aviation. Okay. Had the same engines as the Bear, but just two of them. Had okay. like the inverted gull wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like a Mar- Martin Mars. Uh, or Exactly. It looks just like that, or a Marlin. It looks more, Marlin. Like a Mar- more, more reminiscent of a Marlin. One of those, two of those things fly by in form, kind of loose echelon formation. One of them was about 20 feet over the water, and the other one was like 50 feet. I'm like looking down at them as they went by. <laughs> That's how low they were. And they were hauling ass, too. Um, and then we got detached. Um they kind of attached it. We kind of reattached to the battle group temporarily. And uh, we somehow got into where we were the, uh, well, we did some plane guard for the Midway. You know, where they got a destroyer following the Midway while they're doing flight ops. And that was interesting because that's when the Midway still had Phantoms, you know, F-4s. Yep. So watching these F-4s, I used to go up to the signal bridge uh, when we were doing that and watching them. Land. One one of them was just amazing because the guy got in the wires right as he got in the wires he lit the afterburners. That was pretty cool. I remember that to this day. But uh, so we got uh, detached for some reason, and and we wound up being the plane guard one day for the uh, the Carl Vinson, and it was really rough. Sea of Japan's pretty rough. Just keep in mind, uh, when we went on this deployment, it was, um, when we left, it was um, early November, I think. And a, uh, I don't remember what class, a Kara class guided missile destroyer came out, cruiser, guided missile cruiser. And they were shadowing. Uh, the Carl Vinson while she was doing flight operations. So that was kind of neat. Um. Yeah, there was that carrier out there. I don't, I'm, I'm trying to remember if there was any. I definitely remember that. There may have been some other ships, but um, I have a picture of uh, two bears flying overhead the ship, and they've got uh, two F-4s on each side of them. 
like a, one of them has an F4 on either side of them, and then there's another bear with a, a pair of F4s uh, on either side of them too. That's a pretty cool picture. I have something similar that it's bears escorted by tomcats. And I got the picture because we were, we were doing an underway replenishment. So I have a, I was not required to help unload. Somehow we, we dodged the, you know, I have to, when you unwrap the helicopter drops pallets of crap and you got to make a human chain and, and, you know, pack the crap out. And somehow we didn't get roped into it. So I was able to be up there on a upper weather deck, taking pictures of the 46 flying back and forth, people unloading stuff, you know, the, the hose coming over and then sure enough, a bear flies over with a F-14 in tow. Yeah. um, I kind of skipped ahead, but one of the funnier experiences there on that port visit Japan. So I, I, you know, since I did the, uh, the fly off, you know, as part of this FCF thing, one of our jobs was to get a stake truck from transportation at public works on the base drive it down to Yakuska to pick up all the stuff, you know, that we got to pack to take with us tools and the hydraulic Jenny and all this other stuff. And, um, well, I think I had explained before that, uh, they'd sent me to get checked out to be able to drive a deuce and a half. Yes. So, um, that's one of my jobs. I'm going to drive this friggin' deuce and a half down to, at, Yakuska from Matsugi. Well, I'd never driven anywhere where you drive on the other side of the road. Well, no, I take that back. I'd been in Bermuda. I was in a moped, though. So I'm driving this freaking big-ass Navy two-and-a-half-ton truck, and I've got one of the other guys from the debt with me. And uh, basically have – remember, this is well before uh, GPS, and I don't think they had any Thomas guys if – for those of you who know what I'm talking about, no, you just got you get like a strip map or a turn by turn kind yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we had like the directions and whatnot, and I had a general idea of just by looking at the sun, <laughs> literally, of uh, how we needed to go. We we got there, but it was, uh, and a lot of the roads there are very narrow, and it was fun. So you're driving that on was, the wrong was... side of the road in a vehicle that still has left hand drive. Yeah, and it's and it's big. <laughs> that I didn't have a lot of experience in. It had a manual transmission too, and so I was like, "God." And okay, um, so so it it bears bears stopping and pointing out that a two and a half ton truck has a four speed transmission, and the and the eight shift pattern is not what you would think, right? No, first gear is upper left. Second yep. gear is lower left. Third yep. gear is lower right. Fourth gear yep. is upper right. So you, right. if you're not careful and you think, okay, I'm going from second to third, I'm going to push up and away from me. No, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to push up and over and, and back. Way, and then you had to go way outboard and back <laughs> to go to reverse. Yeah, yeah. And so, so you had to be careful about that too when you went to fourth gear not to get – so yeah, a little too I, crazy. I still remember my first time sitting in a two and a half ton truck, and the guy says, "Look very carefully at the shift pattern," and you know you yep. blink, you blink a couple times, like, "What's wrong with this picture?" Yep. And then it dawns you, wait, third gear is not where you expect it to be, and I don't know why they thought that. 
Yep. It was a, I think it was a, the Navy at that time they had uh international harvester, I think was with, or GMC. Maybe I forget. Um, so when it came time to leave, we actually, uh, I'm trying to remember cause I was actually, I didn't fly on the ship cause I, we were in our blues and uh, man the rail leaving Yakuska because I remember doing that. Really? And how long were you there? Did you say? Yeah. I think like eight days. Eight days. Yeah, and I'd grown a beard too. I'd grown the beard when I was on the short cruise, so I still had the beard. And uh, we had to shave the beard up because they, I think they had uh, January first is when the beard beards went away. That's so. just so wrong. That but, was so wrong. We had to shave the beards off. We had like a beard, like shaving crazy contest thing where the, you know, the skipper of the boat, you know, like, and some of the other, like the master chief and whatever, or the judges, and they, they handed out some, you know, some prizes, you know, like stuff from the ship store, things like that. Kind of a, we had like pizza, you know, it was kind of a, kind of a fun thing. And, um, Oh, the, one of the other dumb things that we had to do was um, that it was a major sweat X is we had to have a zone inspection. Now, zone inspection is where they inspect different parts of the spaces of the ship. That's why they break it up into zones. We used to have them in the, in the uh, shore base, too. Yep. Um, every Occasionally. Well, we went through one at 31. Did we not? Well, that this freaking boat, they had a zone inspection every time you turned around. <laughs> so we're doing the zone inspection, and I got to be the person that presented the hangar. I had to wear my freaking dress blues, everything. It was like, whatever. So I'm up there to present the hangar. And, uh, to who? So The skipper? The, the skipper of the ship. Ugh. So the skipper of the ship is the inspecting officer, and then he's got the master chief of the boat and... Um, then in the inspecting party and then there was also our debt chief and then our maintenance officer in the inspection party so he comes in and he was actually a pretty cool guy the, this captain and, and uh, I mean I didn't obviously not hanging around with him or anything but uh, he knew he knew about the fact that I flew and I was in the uh, the flying club at Barber's Point, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm in the flying club. I just haven't had a chance to get over there. Well, I'll have to go flying sometime." I'm like, "Oh yes, sir." You know. <laughs> and um, this the, the oh. skipper of the boat was a four striper. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, because he he had actually um, he he'd suffered a heart attack right after he taken command of another frigate, and he did like whatever they did to get him back up and running again. He and they're like, "Well, you're in the zone. You made 06, and uh, you're going to go here." He's like. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm going to go command a ship or I'm retiring or something. He told him I'm because he was kind of talking about that or to one of our uh, officers and he was explaining because we we're all wondering why the hell do we have an 06? Yeah, that's not that's not standard for uh, yeah, Captain frigate. Shots. And they said, well, he, he basically said, you know, no, I don't I don't want to go to the Pentagon. I don't want to go do this. I this is what I, my whole my whole career was pointed toward was being the commanding officer of a of a combatant ship. This is what, you know, blah, 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 whatever. So they let him, they let him have the badger. And, um, so, uh, you know, and, he was, um, it is, it is, and his deployment was plagued with problems. Yep. 
he's the same guy that I told you when we we had the hang, the that came up and asked our chief if we've been doing the progressive chaining. <laughs> Remember I thought, that's on the last one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so he comes in to do the zone inspection, you know, and, and like typical, a lot of these inspecting officers, they'll they'll make a little small talk with whomever's presenting the space, you know. Where are you from, son? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's just kind of small talking with me about the, I think one of my, the our Mo told him that I was a pilot, you know, and was in the flying club and blah, blah, blah. So what the what, reason I'm where I'm going with this, this is, one of these things that happens is freaking hilarious that um, you don't expect. So he's going around the hangar, and they, they have one of those eyewash stations in there with the thing you hit with your hand. Okay. And, and I guess he's, you know, making sure it works. He hit that thing, and that freaking thing blasted <laughs> about 50 PSI from both of those nozzles. <laughs> Boom! On him? Yeah. In, in the face? Yep. <laughs> yep. But not in his eyeballs, right? And he had the little green caps on it and everything. Yeah. And he just like, I don't know what he was thinking, but he hit it and turned it on and it just poof, blew those caps off and then it just blasted them, you know? Was he addressed blues? Or was he in khakis? No, he was in his khakis. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, only, only, uh, only the people present. And I got not nominated because that's the only thing we had to do in the birthing space. I got nominated to do the because we had the twelve man, so I got nominated to do the hanger because the junior guy, right? You were the you weren't the junior junior guy. I wasn't the junior junior guy, but I was not that far away from the bottom. Believe me. Um. Yep. So that was. Um, wow. That was. And then the rest that, of the, the trip back to, to Hawaii was pretty routine, right? So now we're coming up on Christmas. And um, I didn't um, – did I go home that Christmas? I'm trying to remember if I did or not. This is 84, right? 84. I'd gone home Christmas while we were at the RAG. I don't this, – this Christmas I didn't. I did the next year. Yeah. So I didn't go home for Christmas because we already – when we got back, we already, we already knew we are getting ready to go. We are going to go out again like right after the new year. And because of the way the – squadron ran things um you had to move out of your room even though we we're coming back in like two and a half oh you might be gone six months the master chief says everybody's got to get out all our rooms were filled oh so, so sad got stuck in got stuck in like the transient barracks wait they didn't let you move off base no because we're going to be going back out again oh okay yeah and i was an e4 oh you're not going off base because um, remember in Hawaii they had to give you rent plus there because <laughs> yeah, it's freaking expensive yeah they had to give you rent plus a cola there so nope you ain't going off base so I was stuck in the transient barracks um, not the really crappy ones actually the better I guess if you want to call them that better with one of the other guys from my with my debt um, and it wasn't one of the AWs either it, I forget who it was um, so the problem with this detachment was nobody knew what was going to go on. You know, are we going to get disestablished? Are we going to stay? Well, we don't know. So we're just going to keep you guys together. And, and that's how the whole thing evolved for like the next six months. 
about every two to three weeks, we'd go out on a shore cruise, you know, five days, like 10 days and two weeks or whatever. And none of those, none of those shore cruises did we go anywhere except circle around Hawaii. And not on the same boat, all different boats. No, the same boat every time, but still, you know, one of the, one of the shore cruises we did was completely dumb. We went out for like five days and we circled around Kauai. Well, we fly up to Kauai to do our torp drop <laughs> yes. and work out on this range out there. Why are we on the boat doing this? Because that's what we're doing. We're out there doing ASW. There's a submarine out there or the target or whatever we're working with, the ship is working with. But see what it was. It's like, well, you know, we're part of the ship. We don't, you know, we need whatever the game. And we didn't do any night flying on that debt. But that was the one where we got a new Mo, the guy that came in and complained about the music. He didn't like the music, gonna, the shop, playing in the he shop. Didn't like, he didn't like Van Halen, I guess, yeah. Because guys at night, you know, or during the day or whatever, you know, they, they had a, we had the boom boxes were big back then. Yep. And, uh, you know, some, inevitably back then we were watching, like, listen, watch, we we're listening to, like, uh, Van Halen or Huey Lewis, you know, all the bands, or Journey, all, all the popular stuff. Maybe some Def Leppard. Yeah, yeah. That kind of the kind of stuff that we all listened to uh, uh, as uh, young guys back then. He goes, "I'm tired of coming in this hangar and listening to somebody wailing away on the guitar. It's either no music or put something else on." What What did he suggest? I don't know. Do you want to listen to Beethoven or something? I'm not a I'm not against listening to Beethoven myself, but that usually that's not what your typical 18 or 19, 20 year old when they're out there working wants to listen to. So that's not going to fly. I'm recalling the scene from good morning, Vietnam, where the officer in charge of the radio station is giving him crap for playing rock and roll music. So he suggests, should I play Percy faith? (laughs) And the guy was like fully agreement. Good choice. Percy faith. So easy listening, you know? So that went on for like, you know, the next six months. I mean, it's so unremarkable that it's not even fun to talk about it. Um, Same boat. Six months worth however, of short this, cruises. Yep. But this is one of the things that I want to tell you about, that, that, uh, that ju- oh, a, kind of a quasi-juicy story. All right, spill it. So we're, get, so we're getting ready to go. Or like the young folks say nowadays, actually even, spill the tea. We dropped an AW. We're down to two AWs, and I'm the senior one now. Just by virtue of rank, not of anything else. Because it was Dan Eaton, but he was junior to me because I got accelerated advancement. He was still an airman and I was a third class, even though he'd been in the Navy longer than me and he went through 31 and got, you know, blah, blah, blah. But so it wasn't like I was telling him what to do either. I didn't give a crap what he did, honestly. Um, he and I didn't necessarily get along that great for, for whatever reason. I can't remember, but. Um, I basically did my own thing. He did his own thing, which was fine. And um, so we kind of made up our mind amongst ourselves. We'll just take turns on who flies on. You fly on, then you fly off. Right? Okay. So it's, I don't know. This is like second or third of one of these stupid shore cruises we're doing. We're going to go out for a couple of weeks out in the, you know, the the Pacific between Hawaii and the West Coast and go around in circles or whatever. And... Uh, so we go to leave and the helicopter breaks. Like, you know, before we, you know, leave in Barber, the ship's already heading out, right? We're we're still sitting in Barber's Point. What was wrong with the airplane? 
I forget. It was. I might have been a chip light or no. I forget. I don't even remember honestly. But it was whatever it was. We can't go anywhere until they fix it. So they're gonna fix it. We're gonna leave um, the next day. So wait, and we hey, didn't leave. And- I have a question. So yeah, the home guard maintenance people had to fix your airplane because because the rest, oh, yeah. they, the rest they, of the debts on the ship, right? Yeah. All I had to do was the daily and turnaround once it was all done. And uh, and we got going kind of late the next day for some reason I don't remember because by the time we finally got to our ship, it was later in the day. But we also had to pretty much do a cross country. We had to actually stop for fuel. We had to stop for fuel twice, believe it or not. Wow. We had to stop for fuel in Maui, and then we had to stop for fuel again on a ship. Um, and it was the, the ship that um, Carl Brown and Dave Haddock were on, short cruise on. Okay. And they got hosed. They got stuck on one of those, uh, was it Brook class FF? Yeah, even smaller than a Knox class where the flight deck is back on the, the fantail. Okay. It only had a, a starboard to port lineup line and everything. It was tight. So we landed on there, shut down, so I could grease the tail rotor. And then we uh, kept going. So we landed on our ship, and our our chief said, hey, let's, let's – um, let's, get the daily and turnaround done while we're on, on deck, while you guys can still see in this light, blah, blah, blah. So we split it up. I said, hey, I'll take the tail. So I'm, I'm opening up all the tail rotor drive shafts, and I do a double take. I'm like, wait a second. Oh. All on one of the um, thrust bearings, all the temp tapes were black. <laughs> okay. And uh, now I understand it was possible for those to get discolored if um, they were you got any fuel or oil or something like that could mess them up. But nope, they were they were all freaking black. All the other ones were right, but this one bearing was was shot. And our debt chief, you know, and our OI, and our OI maintenance, they're all like, holy crap, you know, like, guys are lucky. You know, you could have had a, that so thing could have did you know, see, seized up. Did you see the inside of the bearing when? Uh, it was black. And, and for, and the grease was gone. Okay. And, and. They think that, they think what might have happened was they might have over greased it. Because remember, the, you had to precisely measure yes. the amount of grease, and then you had to just put it right in the middle of the bearing race, the, yes, the yes. teeth part. Yes. And and I think, because um, I remember one of the mechanics saying, yeah, this is really important. He showed me all that. Because if you put too much or you don't put it on there right, you can actually create a pathway for all the grease to come out. Because I looked inside the cowling for where the bear, there was like this, the whole thing had like a like a ring of black. Because that grease was kind of like a real dark purple color. Yep, yep. And it, it had turned black because it had gotten hot. And it flung out. And it flung out, yeah. I mean, sometimes it would fling out a little bit anyway. It wasn't unusual to see a little bit of that. 
but this was like like caked on there so but did the inside of the bearing look like it was coming apart was it all sh- full of shavings and no there wasn't any shavings in there it just i just remember it just looked black you know and then of course they they have those in the pack out um but they had to you know now that now we got to do an fcf the next day right because they had to break the the uh That's just a so dynamic cool. part <laughs> so well, that was the excitement uh, Okay, I can't I can't relate because my airplane was brand new, so we didn't have these problems. Oh yeah, this was one five one three one four. She was one of the old girls. One three one four. Yeah, Tango Hotel five two. All right, so now I gotta see if I have if I have time. That's one that's in a, um, it's it's in Celebrity Row at Davis Monthan right now. One of my short cruises, we took uh, we took one three three one before we got the brand new one before we went on the Westpac. Give me a second here. Spool up my database of flight hours. So while you're doing that, so that went on for until about June or so, and then I finally got off that debt. And uh, then we had another debt that was going to go before deployed in Japan, and I and I, I about I about begged my chief, and there the the mo from that detachment and ops officer like, can I and they're like, because um, the other guy that was the senior crewman on that debt he was like yeah I don't really want to go, he can go, so. There I was. I was dead. I was back, and, and like less than a month later, I was back on a dead again. But the four deployed. Yeah. So we we had to do workups for that too, uh, and our workup for that was like a, almost a two month uh, North Pack, which was the best op best deployment I did the entire time I was in the Navy, bar none. Which that that'll that'll be a good uh, that'll be another. Uh, okay. So. Um... What did HSL thirty seven call the forward deployed debt? We're de- uh, debt seven, um, Eight. India and debt seven. Okay, so debt seven with debt, the with debt the... one and debt seven, debt one and seven, one right. and seven. Was okay. And then thirty three had a debt three. Uh, over it was there debt too. three because it was the yep. It's the second right. You're just you were thirty. They were on the USS Kirk. Kirk, yes. Yep. Um, and then thirty five was debt five. Yeah, I don't remember them being there when I was there. I think it was just the three three H two debts when I was there in uh, eighty five, eighty six. I don't remember thirty five having a debt there because there were only three Knox class frigates. Um, but then there was also the Ollendorf there. Maybe they were there. I just don't remember. Because we were in the really crappy, we were in the really crappy hangar there that like that was it was um, actually burned down while I was stationed in uh, Japan. <laughs> but it was uh, like a freaking world war ii era japanese navy hangar so the four deployed all... debts when you were not on the boat you were at yakuzka or atsugi yeah we were in atsugi if okay. we weren't uh if we weren't on the boat yep yeah we and we on my, on my four deployed debt we had literally uh picked up the debt in because uh, we took a brand new aircraft over there to replace the other aircraft so they had a C a C five 
take our, our aircraft to, to QB Point. And we uh, airlined it from uh, Honolulu to uh, Manila. And, and then we took our, uh, we did the swap there because they were, they were just going to get on a plane and fly home. And then the helicopter was, was going to be shipped to, uh, you know, Dothan for uh, rework depot level maintenance. Yeah. And that was a brand new aircraft. That was, uh, easy rider Tango hotel, uh, six zero easy rider six zero, which is now in the bottom of the sea of Japan. One six one six what? I forget now. I'd have to look it. It it crashed a couple years later. Yeah, we lost we lost uh, a not insignificant portion of the new builds. Yeah, yeah. I think the the ones that we had crashed because. Up until when I left HSL 37, believe it or not, that was the only squadron of all of them that had not had a class alpha. Unfortunately, in the early 80s, early mid 80s, 33 had a rash of them. We did not have a rash. Yep. We had one. There was more than, no, there was more than one. In my time there, there was one. Well, I'm not talking about just your time. Okay. I mean, I'm, like, I'm talking to like, you know, you know, like 79 or so up to about like, you know, 84, 85. I think they they crashed like three. One of them crashed right in the freaking bay. One crashed on, the, on fl- the one crashed on the flight line. Oh, that's the one that had the the uh, ben, collective bungee. The bungee, break. yeah. That's the one where the AW got out to go get a coffee or something. Yes. And then he comes back out and the plane is like, you know, yes. sitting out there. Yes. And uh, Commander McAfee was one of the pilots and the, oh gosh, I can't remember the other dude's name, but they call him Mr. Spock. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Big tall dude. Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah, him. yeah. They were the pilots. Yeah. yeah. And they walked away from, but they were lucky. Well, yeah, because, you know, the rotor brake's a wonderful thing <laughs> when your airplane's taking off uncommanded, you know. The helicopter was a little shorter after that, too, apparently. Um, if the if the AW was in there, I think he'd have been dead. Or his, legs, the, his legs chropped off. The, the gearbox minute. kept on yeah. going, apparently. It, well, it pushed the, it pushed the radar uh, rack, you know, the instrument rack down. Where seat's supposed to be, yeah. So, yeah. So that, like I said, that was uh, the excitement that uh, that I had, and then uh, you know the big the big deal was uh, going on the forward deployed debt. But in our case, like I said, we picked up the debt there in the Philippines, rode the ship to Japan like two weeks, did like a, like an exercise with the Japanese Navy, which was really interesting. And uh, that was September, and we didn't go out to sea again until. Um, November, I think. So we were in port for like two and a half months. This is 85 now? Only... This is 1985 Yeah. Now? Okay. Yep. And then we went out uh, for maybe about three weeks. Maybe maybe it was about a month. But we went to a couple of places. We went to Chinhei, Hong Kong. And uh, yeah, Chinhei and Hong Kong, we're, out, we're gone a month. 
then we're in uh, back to uh, Japan in time for Thanksgiving, Christmas, and then we didn't go out again until mid mid January, and we went straight to the PI, basically. And our sister detachment had another heli- heli- helicopter that they had replaced like three main gearboxes, oh. and they had some. T- they had some. It's some. It, I don't know how they come up with these decisions, you know. But what they said was, we're going to swap aircraft. So they get our pristine, brand new bird, and they literally handed us a bird at the ammo pier at, at in Subic Bay, around the corner from the air station. Their piece of crap helicopter that had been craned off onto a barge. What? The, how did that work? How does that work? That, some admiral said they're, these guys are tasked because they wound up going to the Pia, or they wound up going to Patia Beach. Then they went to the Persian Gulf. While they're doing all that, we're stuck in the Philippines with their with, with now that bird that was craned off to a barge. Um, and I rode the barge post. with a helo, and I rode the barge from the helo with a helo on it around the corner to. Uh, where Lampstead QB is, where they they craned it off there by that pier. That's such BS. And we and we sat there until the end of the debt. We never we never went out to see again. So we were there from like mid January until April, mid April. I'm sorry. So that, Jan- that sounds Jan- like bullshit. To February, March, April. Yeah, we we're there for three months, roughly. Yep. And we we got it up and running. We got a gearbox in it. You know what? We never had a hiccup with that thing. Flew it and flew it and flew it and flew it. Then it get, got down to the, uh, basically, when we're supposed to turn over the debt. So then the, the problem was, how do we get this aircraft from uh, the PI to Japan? So then it dis- was decided, well, you guys are going to fly it over to Clark Air Base and wait to put it on a C-5, and then you're going to fly it up to Yokota. So at the very end of the debt, Myself and the maintenance officer, we flew the aircraft over to uh, what you call Clark Air Clark Air Base. The rest of the debt got on a VRC fifty C one thirty, and they flew to Atsuki. And they sat there on Liberty for a week waiting for us, <laughs> because in the morning uh, I was in the transient barracks, you know, and the uh, and the Armo was a good guy. He was in the in the in the BOQ. He called me up at about 7.30 or 8 o'clock in the morning there. And, uh, yep, not today. And we go out and play golf. Nice. We did that five days in a row. Finally, day six, they said, yep, we got a lift. And uh, and here's what's screwed up. So all this time we've been sitting there, the C-5 takes off, goes, flies to QB Point and lands there and onloads some stuff. And then we go to Yakuta. <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, it's just it's just how weird stuff turns out, right? <laughs> and uh, it's amazing how how in the in the time of slow communication we got anything done. Yep. Because now in the time of instant, so that was commu- my one and only that my one and only flight in the C five. That was kind of cool. Sat back there in the troop compartment, and there was like five retired guys. You know, we're doing space available, and myself and the Armo. Base A. Here's a box lunch and some earplugs. Pretty much. 
That was pretty, and it is loud too, because you're back behind the engines up there on that upper deck. It is loud. And cold too. I froze my ass off. Because uh, I'm just wearing a summer weight flight suit. You know, just and I'm wondering why those loadmasters are all wearing winter, you know, flight jacket <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> I didn't even have one. I mean, uh, I, I might have had my summer weight flight jacket. Did they? Did they? Because we were in Japan, you know, in the winter. But um, I didn't have a winter weight one. I don't think. I don't think I got a winter weight flight jacket until later. And then I never wore my summer weight one ever again after that. Really? Yeah, because if I needed a jacket, I needed. I mean, I do really could go without one most of the time because I had like a flight deck jersey, you know, that we had to wear underneath our flight suit when I was in HS14. So that kept me warm enough pretty much. I usually wore thermal underwear bottoms too when I flew. So, um, and I didn't like to wear the jacket with my SV2 like some people did. I just didn't like that. No, no. Um, Westpac though in the summer you're not really cold a lot no but I was in Japan you know for for the for the winter basically in Korea so yeah it gets cold um, it gets cold yeah um, that, but that's just the you know that's like a kind of an outline of uh, of what happened overall for that debt but that was a good debt um, the, and the part where we did the North Pack was the best part of it all right. Well, you wanna you wanna save that for next time. Wet, yeah, because uh, wet their appetite. Little, yeah, just to wet their appetite, we got to play with Ivan for real. All right. Well, we'll save that for next time. Um. Other than that, do you wanna? Is this a good time to bring it yeah, to a I close? Yeah, I think so. All right. So, uh, then we'll we'll bring up the say goodbye script and uh, issue our bags, our requests for feedback uh as you if you are around for the previous episode you know when when we get feedback we like to address it so send us emails um mike at navalair.net or scott at navalair.net um we like to hear from you um if you have questions we'll address them if you have your own story you want to add maybe you know we could make an arrangement to have you join us on a call and you could tell your story of whatever naval aviation experience you have uh, other than that uh, Scott any last words before we sign off no I just want to echo what Mike said you know if you're uh, if you're interested in uh, participating if you have a background in uh, naval aviation doesn't matter what it is uh, pilot air crew flight surgeon maintenance uh, admin support functions uh, civilian tech rep whatever it might be uh, yeah, we, we definitely welcome your uh, input and uh, your oral history of uh, your naval aviation experience. Yes, we'd love to hear from you. All right, so with all that being said, we'll uh, give you our standard, the standard brief goodbye and uh, say thank you for listening and to stay safe and God bless. <laughs> <laughs>